0: Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory and we'd love to have you join us. To learn more about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, Texas, visit our website at thedoorchurch.net. Now let's worship God by opening his word. Uh, good morning, church family. If you're new here, my name is Scott Brooks. I'm the lead pastor on the preaching team. Super glad that you're here uh, this morning. We are in a sermon series, a decade of development, and even that video intro and uh, from Martin Lloyd Jones. Just <laughs> the message needs to be essential. We need the power of the Holy Spirit uh, to show us uh, who, who Christ is in those pictures, or over the last 12 years of what God has done just through our local church and. Uh, I'm just so grateful to be a part of it, and it should stir your affection that we serve a God who lives and moves uh, and saves people, changes people, and um, we'll talk more about that here in a bit. We have an announcement. Uh, Sam Slayton uh, at the Argyle campus is gonna be a hospitality deacon, so let's just give him a, a or super... That's our first deacon at, in Argyle. We have many deacons here uh, at the Louisville campus. It's super exciting. This is part of our development, uh, is that we want to raise up people uh, to serve the bride of Christ. Um, <clears throat> we are doing that sermon series, a decade uh, of, of development, um, you know, this is the last installment, we'll start Romans uh, ne- next week, but what we've been saying is uh, years years are short, days are long, days are long, years are short, I said it backwards, but regardless, if you have a kid, uh, some days can be really long. <laughs> you're like, man, this day just doesn't end, uh, particularly when they're young, and then all of a sudden you're like, they're graduating, or they're driving, you're like, what just happened? Um, the same thing is true. I look at those pictures, and we we started, as I'll mention here, in 2010, and Now we're in 2022. It seems when we talk about a decade, that's a long way off. Yet it's not. It's not what you think. It may seem like a long way off. It'll be here before you know it. And so what we're doing here with a decade of development, saying, "Hey, this is what we hope. This is what we hope the church could look at look, look like in 2032 and 10 years from now." We're gonna dream with you. Look at a vision of what this could look like. Our mission hasn't changed. It's always been the same. We want to see lives restored with the gospel of God's glory. Everyone needs Jesus, and they need him all the time. We want to exalt Christ. That's been our mission statement from day one. It will continue be, to be our mission statement. We know who we are. What's great is you come in. We want you to love and champion the mission of the Door Church. But what we're talking about this morning is vision, where we're going, Lord willing. Vision is, is, it represents our dreams and ambitions over the next 10 years of a decade Development. One of my favorite movies uh, is The Patriot, and he has a line in that movie. He's telling his kids uh, to to aim small, miss small. And the idea there is like, even if you miss, you're going to hit. And so, the idea over the next 10 years, we want to be crystal clear we're going to aim small, miss small, because even if we miss, it's still a win because there's going to be development in that miss. And so, over the next 10 years, we want to work to raise up men and women to be ministers of reconciliation, and so uh, the, it says in scripture that the, the harvest is ripe, the workers are few, and we believe that you have a part to play uh, in, in that harvest, and we want to call men and women to be ministers of reconciliation where God has you and possibly sends you, and then in particular, we wanna raise up at least 10 pastors to either be church plants or campus pastors, and so we hold the campus pastor pretty open-handed the idea is we want to equip people to be sent, to grow, to champion the gospel of Jesus Christ to others. Um, again, we say this Lord willing. Behind 10 pastors, there should be a wake of development of people growing in Christ, equipped in Christ and being sent by Christ, men and women, uh, to, to serve the church in particular ways. Uh, we do say Lord willing because we are not God. But we do believe this is in line with the will of God. The reason why we know this, Jesus himself said, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't stand against it. So I, I, Jesus said, I will, I'm gonna build my church. And then so we just wanna be a part of what Jesus is doing. And so we had three sermons as the last one. We wanna mature by beholding Christ. who's I'm put it for you. The way that you grow as a Christian is the way that you start as a Christian is by beholding the beauty of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how that's how you become a Christian and you grow. And so we are always going to have the central message of Christ. And by the Spirit of God, you will become more like Christ as you see Him more clearly. Uh, then number two, we want to live on mission. That you should own uh, really the, the 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 mission of God to represent Christ in your world. Everyone says, "I want to change the world," <laughs> and all you really have to do is. Really own the gospel of Jesus Christ in your world. Represent him where he's called you right now, to your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers. Um, They don't need to hear me or anyone else. They need you to represent Christ as a minister of reconciliation there. And this week, we'll be looking at multiplying leadership, multiplying leadership. And we'll be in John chapter three, one through 30. It's a long text, but it's uh, really sweet. This is actually what convicted me greatly. Early on, when we first started the church, uh, about uh, what God may be doing here at the Door Church, and I'm, ex- I'm excited to share it with you. So multiplying leadership, John chapter 3, if you have your Bible, uh, 1 through 30. Like I mentioned, we started 12 years ago. So uh, 1-1, I think it was 2011. So yeah, I, th- I said 2010, the last gathering. I'm terrible at time. But it's 1-1, 2011, almost sure of it. Uh, but the big idea there is that was on a Saturday, and if you're, you're hearing rightly, 1-1 is New Year's Day. That is a bad idea to plan a church. If you're wondering, like, that's like, you shouldn't do that, because on New Year's Eve, do you know what happens on New Year's Eve? You, usually there's partying, you stay up late, drinks are usually had, and, and people are like, I'm going to church the next day. It's not how it works. So we had a, a robust small gathering, our first gathering, 1-1, 2011. But Man, we've, by, by God's grace, have, have stayed to the centrality of Christ in Scripture. We've tried to exalt Christ. You know what the Holy Spirit loves to do? Make much of Christ. And so we're just going to exalt Christ and let the Holy Spirit do his work. And we've seen that. We've witnessed God do a work in this community, in people's lives. Eternities changed. Lives changed. We've seen over hundred baptized um, in the name of Jesus Christ, representing... <laughs> new life, over a million dollars given to church planning and multiplication because we're passionate about uh, people uh, hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, equipping people and sending them. We have one campus sent out. Now, the question I have is why in the world are we sending millions of dollars out to church planning and multiplication? That, you should have that question. Number two is why in the world would we start a campus? Like, as we're growing, why, why would we do that? Why would we send Pastor Brad Larson out? Why would we send Kisto to Argyle? Why would we send Kayla? Those are some of our best. You should be asking that question. And the reason why is we believe this is in line with what God calls us to do. That's why. We believe in multiplication, and we want to bring this before you. Because here's the deal. We made a, a, a conscious decision about four or five years ago. That our goal is not to be the biggest church in one location. Now, that's a, a standard that you'll see a lot. We want to grow as big as we can in one spot. And that, you know, some churches have that prerogative. We believe that God has called us to multiply because we believe the Bible commands us to. It says this in Matthew 28, 18 and 19. Listen to this. And Jesus came and said to them, this is why we're doing what we're doing. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Stop stop right there. So we'll go back look at that verse verse again. Jesus has defeated sin, Satan and death. He's standing in victory. And Jesus saying all the authority is who? It's mine. And now he's commanding us, his disciples what? To go in the victory that he's had. So this is why we go, because he stands in victory over the things that are most destructive to us, namely sin, Satan, and death. And because he stands in victory, he tells us, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So all we're doing, when we say in multiplying leadership, is we're simply taking the Great, uh, great Commission seriously. We actually believe that Jesus has eternal life for people that believe in him. We believe that people are really dying because of their sin, and there'll be a judgment for their sin, but Jesus has paid in full by his precious blood, has defeated death, and it offers eternal life. And we stand in his authority to go. We're standing in his victory representing who Jesus is and what he has done. That's why we're doing what we're doing. All right, so let's get into uh, John 3, 1 through 30. The first part, it's a long text. Um, He really just emphasizes, again, uh, what it means to be a Christian because there's just confusion there, right? And so the first 15 verses, uh, really 1 through 8, it says what it means to be a Christian. It tells us the biggest problem to becoming a Christian uh, around uh, 13 through 15, and then we'll get to 16, and then as we, we, as John the Baptist talks, we'll get into why we want to multiply. So we're just going to emphasize once again, we mature by, by beholding and the message is clear. So we'll pick up in verse 1, chapter 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. So he's a Pharisee, he's a religious leader of the day. That's, a, that's just a, a fun word to say. Man, he's a, he's a churchgoer, if you will, a leader of the, of the church, a ruler of the Jews so, man, he is one who oversees. he one who speaks of authority over the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night. That's interesting. If you, if you read the book of John, there's lots of contrast between light and darkness. And it's, it's significant to some degree that Nicodemus is coming to Jesus by night because he's kind of like, um, you know, it's, it, it's kind of undercover, kind of stealthy, don't want to be seen in the light uh, of, of uh, asking because he, he's, he's the one supposed to have the answers. And he's going to the one who's, who's actually the answer. But he does it by night because he's supposed to have it together. Um, and, and said to, to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with them. So basically Nicodemus is saying, you're different. <laughs> you're doing things that no one else is doing. Clearly God is with you, and then what's so interesting, Jesus doesn't answer that question, because that's, that's really a statement, but he's going to answer the question that's in his mind, uh, which is in verse 3, Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, one, um, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So basically, he's going to Jesus without asking the question, like, how do you inherit the kingdom of God? Another way you can say it, is how do I inherit eternal life? I'm the one supposed to be teaching on to show the way, but I'm actually a little confused on the way. It's very similar to the rich young ruler when he comes to Jesus like, hey, w- what, what, what must one do to in- inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you must be born again. So this is, this is helpful in our message. What we do here as a church, in any church that's a Jesus church, it's not that you're bad and you need to be good. It's not an an improvement project for you or behavior modification. What this is telling us is you need to be born again. This is that you are spiritually dead and you need to become spiritually alive by the Spirit of God. You need to become a new creation. It's a death to life, not good to bad. So it's crystal clear here, you must be born again. Now, verse four, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born again when he is old? So he's asking a fair question. He says, can he enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? So Nicodemus is like, okay, I'm I'm, I'm fine with hearing you out, Jesus, but I've already been born. How can I be born a second time? Because he's thinking of natural means of being born. He's thinking of a natural mind of the flesh. Jesus says in verse 5, Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water. So that is of natural birth. If you don't know how babies are born, there's a water that breaks. So that's of natural birth birth, right? So born of water and the Spirit. That's supernatural. So he's not talking about natural birth. He's talking about a supernatural birth that comes from the Spirit of God. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. So can you enter the kingdom of God or have eternal life without the Spirit of God? The answer is no. And that which is born in the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel. That I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born in the spirit. So the spirit of God is what unites us to Christ. That's how, how we become Christians. It's nothing that we do, but what Christ does in us. So verse nine, this is, this is helpful as well. So again, I'm gonna read it, and just make sure I emphasize it. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answer, answered him, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? He's calling out the preacher. He's like, you're supposed to be you know, teaching on these things that you don't understand what what you're saying or even who you're pointing to. This is a moment, if we're gonna plant 10 churches and you're gonna be a minister of reconciliation, first and foremost, you, you need to know Jesus by the spirit of God. You need to be born again. So you're not going to be a good pastor or minister unless you've been born again. So we can't speak of things that we haven't experienced. So another way to say it is don't always listen to people that are talking to you. Unless they're pointing to Christ and not morality, I would always tune them out. Not some of the time tune them out. I would tune them out because even pastors may not know Jesus. Now, that may seem crazy. Uh, Spurgeon said himself that some preachers preach to save their soul. That's not how it works. Jesus saves our soul. And we do not teach morality. We preach Christ and him uh, crucified. Now, he's calling out him. You don't really understand um, what you're teaching. Verse 11. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony if you have... T- uh, if you. If I had told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Now listen to the big problem. No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. So the problem that we have, as Jesus says it very clearly, that no one ascends to heaven. No one. Only the one who has descended to heaven can ascend to heaven. So the point is, like, no one's working themselves to Jesus. No one's working themselves into salvation. No one builds a case before God as if they're good enough. The only one that will ever have salvation or eternal life life, is to trust the one who has descended. To see that, that we have no ability to save ourselves. This is the biggest issue for you of meeting Jesus is you. It's your sin. It's your self-righteousness. You think that you're okay. Most people, if you took a grade, like, I'm pretty good. You're not. You're not even close. The lower view of self you have... It's probably the more correct view of self that you have because of the word of God, but the more clear view you have of Jesus. The way that we'll preach that no one ascends to heaven is simply by staying to the scriptures. You know what the Bible says? This is God's word, and God's word says hard things. As it says hard things, it tells us who God is and who we are. It breeds a soft heart. We have a very high view of God's word. That's all we're going to do. We're going to preach God's word, and as we have a high view of God's word, you know what you're going to have? an accurate view of self. You're going to have an impoverished view of self. It's not going to look pretty. Why? Because you're going to be looking into a mirror very closely. You're going to see all the spots, the blemishes, the problems, the issues, the failures. Like, oh no, that's a good spot to be as you read God's word. Oh no is a good thing. No, why? Because you're going to look for Jesus who is the savior. The issues that we have in churches today is that we're trying to lower God's word. We're saying, you know what? Yeah, it said that in that time, but this time, this is what it means. I know that seems harsh, but that's not really it. We don't need this. The more that you lower lower your view of God's word, you'll have a higher view of self. You don't think you need Jesus. And so we got to see that no one ascends to God. The word of God will humble us and exalt us at the same time because it's gonna bring us to Jesus. See, it goes on to say in verse 14, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So here, Jesus is now referencing the Old Testament when uh, Moses was with Israel and uh, a plague came on they're snake bit, and if, you, um, if you're snake bit, that's not good if they're poisonous, if you didn't know, if you, there's no remedy, and eventually you're gonna die. You may not die right away, but the trajectory is death. And then the, the solution, the remedy was that they made a bronze serpent and whoever looked at it, whoever looked at it and believed was healed. Now what he's doing, he's he's equating sin to be snake bitten. You are snake bitten by sin. And you are on a, a trajectory of decay and death. That's what that's what poison does. It sends you on decay and to death. And we all have that. And Jesus is that bronze serpent that's a, a pointer to the cross of Christ. The only remedy for that snake business that we all have is to look at the cross of Christ where there's remedy, where there's salvation. There's salvation in no one but Christ. See, we have to get to the point to seeing that we're all snake and that, that snake bent in sin is like you, you think very high, you, everyone thinks very high of themselves. And you're like, maybe you're like, Scott, you don't know me. I, I don't think of myself very highly. What, what I'd say is you think about yourself all the time. What's to say that? What you're thinking about all the time in your spare time is what? Is you. That's what I mean. You have a very high view of self. What we need to do is look to Christ and have a high view of Christ. That's where salvation is. Now, verse 16 is our message It comes straight from Scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. See, (laughs) Jesus is telling Nicodemus, you need to be born again. You haven't ascended far enough. But he doesn't do it to condemn him. But he's, he's, he's saying it to show him that he stands in condemnation already. And the only hope is not in him but in God, that God so loved the world that he gave his son. It's not what we do for God, but what God's done for us. That whoever believes in him shall not perish and have eternal life. The only way that you have eternal life is through Christ and Christ alone. We'll keep beating that drum because it's the only thing we have and it's enough. And we, we are clear on our message. I think, again, I just want to point out that a lot of us don't have an accurate view of self because you're getting your, your view of self from the world, maybe your mom and dad, whoever. We need to look to the word of God and what it says in 17 and 18 is helpful about our view of self and our view of God. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world. That's just so you know, Jesus didn't come to condemn. What did he, what did he come to do? To save. Let's just be clear about that. Uh, then it goes on to say, but in order that we might be saved through him. Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned what Already. If you're not in Christ, you stand in condemnation already. See, we're not neutral. A lot of things we're like neutral. Like we stand in condemnation. The poison is in us. We are sinful. We are selfish. And Jesus came to save us, to save us from ourselves. That's the message of the gospel. Only those who look, look to Christ by the spirit of God will be saved. Now, again, this is what we preach Every single week, and some of you need to look to Jesus this morning and find salvation. There's a salvation in no one else but Christ. You can lay your deadly doings down. You can lay, lay your failures down. You can lay yourself down and look to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Now, what we're going to move on to is what are we doing stewarding God's church? So, just so you know, this is this is God's church. This is not my church. This is not the elders' church. This is God's church. This this is blood bought. This is. This is Jesus' bride. And so we're stewarding his bride. And this is what was so impactful early on when I felt God called me into ministry, like what, what, God, what God's doing here um, at the door church. So we'll read it in verse 22. So after this, so John the Baptist exalts Christ, but 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples went to uh, the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing at Anon near Salim because water was plentiful and people were coming and being baptized for John had had not yet uh, been put in prison. So what's happening is Jesus is baptizing and and John's baptizing. 25, now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and, and a Jew over purification. 26, and they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who is with us across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, because John baptized Jesus, look, he's baptizing, listen, and all are going to him. That's an issue, right? So John the Baptist had a great following. People are going out to him to be baptized. Now Jesus is baptizing. Now all of his disciples are now going to Jesus. And this is a public relations. It's like, hey, I know Jesus is awesome, but you are awesome too. You're losing all your following. All the status, all the power, down the drain. Now listen to what he says. This ministered me greatly, like I said, about 11 years ago. It still preaches today. I knew exactly where we should preach as we're talking about uh, multiplication. Verse 27 is amazing. John answered, a person cannot receive, listen, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it's given, given him from heaven. Here's the idea. Number one, John the Baptist was saying his ministry was not achieved, it was received by God. He goes, yeah, they're going to Jesus because it came from Jesus anyway. So all I was doing was stewarding what God had called me to steward. See, John the Baptist understood that his life was not his life, it's not his church, it's not his will, it's Jesus's anyway. It's not his glory, but God's. And so how this ministered to me is I was at a church conference not a fan of those. Not that much fan of those. I just, you know, they're good. They're inspiring. But this one was really hit home. Um, J.R. Vassar was actually preaching this text. And he he was preaching a ministry received and not a ministry achieved. And I came from a, a big church in my internship. Big church. And we'd count numbers and add numbers onto it. And we'd boast how big our church was. And I say we. I wasn't a big fan. So when God called... Uh, to start the door church. I was like, don't want that. And I'm like, anti that. Like, I'd rather be small. Let's, let's don't count. Actually, when we actually had to get a new facility, the bankers like, how many people are coming? I was like, I don't know. It's like, you probably need to know that if you're gonna ask us for some money. And I was like, well, we gotta start counting a little bit. But the point is, I was allergic to numbers. Now, um, in this text, what it's saying, it's a ministry received, not achieved. This is God's church. And he's gonna do what, he's, what he wants with this church. And so from then on, I became very open-handed to whatever God wants. And so if he, he wants to grow us big, great. If he wants us to keep us small, great. If we're just called to steward whatever he's doing, that's all we're doing. We're called to be faithful, not, not have a get big project. We know that we're called to multiply because that's scripture. And so by God's grace, we become what we've become. Why? Because God has that for us for now. And maybe not Forever. All we're called to do is be faithful. We're not called for outcomes, but we're called to be pointers to Jesus Christ. We're stewards, we're stewards of the gospel. It says this in 2 Corinthians 4:7. It's, it's super helpful. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. That's John 3:16. We have this treasure. No one ascends to God, but the good news is, is Jesus descended for us. That he died our death, that he, he rose from the grave, and we can have eternal life. What? To show the surpassing power belongs to God. Where does the power come from? God, not to us. What's what's us in this illustration? We're the jars of clay. That's like a paper plate. So no one's like bragging about the paper plate. That's bringing the steak, right? It's like, did everyone see that paper plate? That was an amazing plate. No, they're looking to the treasure. Another illustration. This is like uh, this is like the envelope. To a letter. No one's like looking at the envelope, like, thank goodness the envelope was really nice. They're looking at the message. So, what's our part to play in it? We're simply stewards, carriers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're disposable. Jesus is not. Jesus is not. And that is a ministry received, not achieved. John the Baptist got it. Lord willing, we get it. And we continually. Understand this mic drop moment that I think John the Baptist has. That I think I, I pray the Spirit of God sears into my brain and your brain. It says in verse twenty eight: You yourselves bear witness, bear me witness that I said, listen, I am not the Christ. I am not the Christ, but I have I have been sent before Him. See, John the Baptist understood his his his, his place in this in this whole thing, his purpose. I am not the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. Because you know how easy it is when someone has a following. John says, look at me, look at me. No, John says, I am not the Christ. I need you to hear, it. I am not your Christ. No one up here speaking is your Christ. Only Jesus can say. He's the only way. And if we're gonna be a multiplying team and sending out, we have to believe that's true because I have nothing, Mark has nothing, no one gets up here has nothing besides Christ. Jesus is everything, and we must be pointers to him. That's the ministry of the gospel, pointing to the one who can save. That's our job. And our job, what John the Baptist says, he must increase and you must decrease. This is the way of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's no platforming anyone. There's platforming of the one, the only hope that we have. And if we're going to be multiplying leadership, we have to believe this. So many people go to hear a talking head at churches. Lord willing, there'll never be a talking head. There's the person of Christ that we preach, and he's the one who brings salvation. And as we behold Christ, you know what happens? My job is to present Christ to equip the saints for ministry, to help grow you in Christ and equip you and send you, really, in the talents that that, that, um, the Spirit of God's given you. We're all called to be missionaries. So you... You may be a pastor, but you may not. What you guarantee are, if you're a Christ follower, is a missionary. God has called you to represent Christ in your home, in your schools, in your community. Everyone is called to be a missionary, and the elder's job, the staff's job, is to equip you to look at Christ and represent him as a minister of reconciliation. And, man, we, we want to, to see pastors raised up here at the Door Church. Why? Because all we're doing is training to point to Christ. Now, I like what Spurgeon said here, too. He goes, you're either a missionary or an imposter. So just so you know, our our DNA is gospel-centered, community-driven, other people-focused. You get Jesus, you know what's going to happen? You're going to be sent sent to represent Christ. Has to be. There's a trajectory towards Christ and sentness. If that's not what you're doing, I just... I'd agree with Spurgeon that you're an imposter because you know what born-again people do? They talk about Jesus. That's what they do. Why? Because Jesus stood to save you a sinner and everyone's a sinner who needs Jesus. You start to share. Not, I'm not saying perfectly, but you start to witness this is your hope. Now, if we're going to do this to multiply leadership, we're gonna, to fulfill our mission, we're going to have to do three things, I believe, really well. We're going to have to live the Great Commission. That means... When Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, that he's defeated our biggest foe, which is sin, Satan, and death, that he is in victory, when he says go, we'll actually listen. We'll actually follow him and say, okay, I'll go because you called me to go. To live the Great Commission is just to see see what the cross of Christ means and live in light of it, that we live in a place of victory. Like the, There's battles uh, Going on right now in the world, the war's won. Christ has won, and we live in that victory. What I like in scripture, if you know David and Goliath's story, it's really awesome in the sense of like, oh, you know, uh, Israel is fi- fighting the Philistines, everyone's scared. There's a figurehead, which is Goliath, and no one wants to fight Goliath. And David trusts the Lord goes out there and throws a stone straight through his head, and he falls down. And you know what happens? All the Israelites take the ground and defeat all the Philistines. Why? Because they understood the war was won. There's a battle still going on, but they lived in light of that victory. The war has been won at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we take ground now. That's our job. Number two, we have to remember it's not about us. It's not So that, I think that means a few things. Again, we're a battleship, not a cruise ship. So you may, you may like my preaching or you may not. You may like Mark's preaching, you may not. You, you may, it doesn't even matter, right? It's not about you. We're, pre- we're preaching Jesus. That's what matters. Another thing it means is uh, the idea of remembering it's not about us. God's gonna call you out of your comfort zone. What that means, what that means, is several things. You have a part to play here. You have a part to play here. He's going to call you to be a minister in some way that's gonna make you feel uncomfortable. You gotta remember it's not about you, it's about being appointed to Christ. I don't know where your comfort zone is, but I guarantee God's calling you out of that into sentness. What I loved is Jonathan Birch was sitting back, back there this past gathering. He's our TDC kids minister. And we've been praying for like a year. It's like, God, oh, we need a kids minister. And Birch, who's in the business world, who's way smarter than probably anyone on our staff, God called him here. And he's just doing a great job with our kids. And I believe one day he'll be preaching on this stage and be sent as a campus pastor or a planter. Why? Because he chose a calling over comfort. So when we say that we're going to send, I'm not like saying, "Hey, we're going to go recruit people from out there. That's not, that's not what I'm talking about. We want to raise up people in here, that you hear a call of God and say, "I want to be about that." That's, that's what we're doing. You gotta, then you've got to be like, that's going to be self-sacrificing. you say "It's not about me, it's about Jesus. It's worth your life." And then we're, we want to um, equip the church to be minister of reconciliation again. You have giftings from the Spirit of God to serve the church and others, and we want to help you grow in that because behind that wake of development, it's just not pastors, but again, there's ministers, there's song, song leaders, there's, there's student ministers. There's, there's, there's so many things that God could be calling you to, and we want to help you get there. Volunteer, deacon, elder, there's a development that God, Lord calls one you, calls you into. Uh, your role in this, again, this is not to bring you information. This is, Lord willing, to transform your minds about church. That I hope that you're leaving inspired by the Spirit of God and Word of God saying, I want to be a part of that. If you're just hearing, like, that's great. You didn't hear me. Like, you should be wanting to own and champion and be a part of this. This is what we're called into. You know what it looks like when people own a mission and run hard after it? Movement. Movement. That's what we want. We ask that you pray for these endeavors. Again, if the Lord wills, we, uh, we hold it open-handed, but the Lord has to move. He has to bless us Where we can't, we can't do anything. It's a received, and so we just want to walk whatever God calls to. We ask that you pray. And I bring it before you because I think it's worth it. Like, what you need most is Jesus, and what your neighbors need most is Jesus. You know what the world needs most is Jesus. And that's not cliche, like, that's everything. Eternal trajectories are at stake. And really, these new, when you become a new creation, you have a new mindset. You love differently as a spouse. You love differently as a neighbor. You're differently as a father, a mother, a neighbor. You're different. You're a new creation representing Christ. The world needs Jesus, and that's what we're about. Like, so what I'm asking you to think about is, is see the worth of Christ. And understand, I'm asking you to consider giving your life to this mission, this vision. Consider giving your money to this mission and vision. given your talents. Why? Because it's worth it. It is. I wouldn't get up here and tell you unless I believed it's true. If you tasted salvation, you know it's true. And God has called you to be a part of it. Let's pray. God, I pray that you'd help us respond by faith. Believing that you've called us by name for salvation. So I pray first and foremost that if anyone doesn't know Jesus, they would confess their sin this morning, their selfishness, their self-righteousness, and look to Jesus who saves. That stood in our stead so we could have life. I pray for a new life. I pray the Spirit of God would give the life this morning to be born of the Spirit. God, I pray for others that we would we would see the worth of Christ and what he calls us into, that we would be called out of comfort and called into your mission, that we would wanna go, that we wanna multiply leaders, that we want to see more and more people come to Christ, whether that's living on mission in our worlds or being, saying, hey, I'd like to, to put my name in there to be grown up, to be a minister, to be a pastor. God, I pray that You give men and women that conviction. God, I I pray that you would bless this vision. God, that we'd walk in step with your spirit and we would believe your will, Jesus, that you're gonna build your church and we consider how we could be a part of it. I say in Jesus' powerful name, amen.